This is a Mirakami Minute presented by the Drunken Pen Writing Podcast. I'm Caleb James. With me as always, Mr. Spencer Church. Today, we are covering the second story in Haruki Mirakami's first person singular. What was the name of the story? Stone Pillow? On a Stone on a Pillow. Stone. On a Stone Pillow. Uh, this story was a bit more literary than the last one. Uh, you got more of a Mirakami writing style feel to it versus the... That first story was weird. It was uh, that cream story. It just kind of felt like, like you said in the last episode, it just felt like the translator just kind of, you know, kept it very basic and it was just like very average language. I mean, there was like really no metaphors too much other than like the philosophical talk. But this one kind of got more into like a literary uh, way of narrating, which I enjoyed. Uh, I like the story. How yeah. did you feel about it? Yeah, I thought it was uh, interesting. Uh, the premise was very simple. Once again, no-name narrator. Uh, he is discussing... Again, is he talking to somebody on this one? I think he's just talking to the reader on this one. Yeah, this almost kind of seems like a journey entry or, thing, or yeah. just like, you know, like an inner monologue or something. Well, he is talking about how... Let's just say a one-night stand with a woman that worked. She didn't even work with him at the time he had sex with her, but she used to work with him when he was in, like, college. Yeah, like, he was, uh... They worked at, like, a restaurant. Yeah, like, he was just starting college, and she was a little bit older. She was a couple years older. I don't even think she was in school. Yeah, she was very aloof, uh, because she was the only one that worked at the restaurant that wasn't, like, a college kid, Mm -hmm. at least out of the grunt workers. Yeah, I don't think the... I think they worked at different times in different spots. Yeah. They didn't have a lot of overlap with each other. He didn't even know her name. But she either quit or got fired or something. She was leaving the job, so they some people from work were going out to having like a party at like a you know, just like a little get together and he just he kinda went along because yeah. you know, some of the people were going. Regardless, they met up. She just didn't feel like taking the train home. Uh, it was late at night, and she ended up just going back to his crummy little one-bedroom apartment. How jealous was you were you when the term we took the bullet train with the bullet train? Yeah, the, the bullet train. Tra- this, I couldn't remember if it was bullet or speed train. Like you know, same thing. Like, wow, wouldn't it be nice? And those bullet trains—they're not just on time. They're if they're twenty seconds late, they'll give you a pass for work. Yeah. That's sick because it's so reliable that that's an actual excuse for work. It's like, hey, the bullet train was running late today. Wouldn't believe it was like almost a minute. Yeah. Like, no, and then they'd give you the, you know, the, the ticket or whatever. Um, it would be how nice it'd be to have one of those. Fuck, we, I don't know how many times in this stupid country I've waited on like uh, the subway or something like the T in Pittsburgh, yeah. and it's like, oh, it's supposed to be here at ten, ten fifteen. Where the fuck is this thing? No, just one straight one from coast to coast, just like middle of the country. Coast to coast, you know, just for, something to make it easier for people. It can go up as far New York, New York, Maine. I don't care where it starts, but just for us, Pittsburgh to Chicago to whatever the midway point between those and California is. And then maybe you have one in the south that goes up the other. I don't know. I don't care. I just want they can have it cross X, Y, and then yeah. you, have, you get on the converge in the middle. Because uh, they said it would only take like maximum of... Almost like a plane, but even faster, like four or five hours to get across the country. Like, that'd be yeah. awesome. That'd be so great because it would be so much more relaxed than a fucking plane. Less security risk, too. Anyway, so she goes back to his place and then very quickly she just gets undressed and like they have a beer together and that's apparently very slow, but it's not written out that way. It's just like, oh, we had a beer and we took our time. And then 
She gets undressed, goes into a shitty futon. He follows suit, gets undressed, goes into the futon. It gets a little weird where they're they're gonna have sex. Um, and she's like, she looks at him and goes, "Hey, is it okay if I scream another guy's name?" And being a Mirakami narrator that just goes along with everything, because that's exactly how a Mirakami narrator normally is. He's like, "Yeah, sure." Which makes me think, is like Mirakami's life? Did he just go through it just like? Be with a woman, and she'd be like, hey, I want you to choke me half to death while you have sex. All right, if that's what you well, want, lady. Well, you know, I can't, obviously, I can't speak for his other works, but I feel like for this story, it kind of made sense because the kid was younger. Yeah. He probably hasn't had sex that many times. So he's just happy to be there. And, like, you know, and they both knew that after this, mm. they would never see each other again. So, and being, you know, being a male, like, it's just like, I don't, what the fuck you do? I don't care. Well, let me go deeper into the story for you. It wasn't... It wasn't just as simple as, oh, can I scream another guy's name? So, can I scream another guy's name when I'm coming? Yeah. And then uh, he was like, yeah, that's fine. And then she was like, and it'll be very loud. And he's like, well, that's a problem. Uh-huh. And I forget what they said, like wafer thin walls yeah, or something. Yeah, just like the shitty apartment that he was in yeah. was just the bad, bad wall. So, and then this was one of my favorite lines yeah. in the book. He, she was like, okay, well, you know, how about I bite down on a towel or something? He's like, yeah. And he goes and gets a towel. And then he gives it to her to bite on. And he, he said something about like a horse trying on a bit. Like <laughs> yeah. how they, they bite the bit. <laughs> and she's like, that's acceptable. Like she nods like it's acceptable. They have sex and uh she tells him he can think of somebody else too, and she yeah. asks him if he likes somebody, which he does. Uh they don't like each other really and, no. and he they both know they're not gonna probably most likely not see each other again. You know, consent both ways, they're just gonna have sex and that'll be the end of it. So, um he gets a rock and he's like, Yeah, it seems kinda stupid to think, you know, scream somebody else's name during sex, so he doesn't do it, but he just spooges in her. She screams in her biting her tower or whatever. That's the end of it. Uh, then she goes on and tells him how she is a writer of Tonka poetry. And I do like that the narrator has almost uh, the exact knowledge of Tonka poetry as we do. He yeah. at least knows kind of what it is. But even after reading her Tonka poetry later on, he still doesn't really know yeah. what it is. So I don't feel bad. Uh, I will look it up for uh, you folks because, I, like I said, I know... Uh, like haikus and stuff, but I never heard of Tonka poetry. I guess well, it's just the Japanese style. And he also, like, uh, he goes in a little bit of detail with the woman about, like, the guy, the name that she screams of the guy, you know? Yeah, uh, she, she has... really likes him, but then he was surprised because it's, like, such a bland, basic name. Yeah. And uh, he's just more Mirakami philosophical musings where it's just like, you know, how isn't it weird how you can have such an affection for somebody with such a basic name yeah. and then because that just makes you think they're a basic person very plain but you know everybody has a uh, who they like and love uh the tonka is a 31 syllable poem traditionally written in a single unbroken line form of waka japanese song or verse tonka translate translates as short song and is better known in its five line five seven five seven seven syllable count form i don't know how well i do like the poems in here i'm going to read those because they're very short I do like the poems, but I don't know how they would have been in Japanese. Do they rhyme? Yeah. Maybe they do in Japanese. They don't hear. I don't think a lot of, I don't know. I don't, I don't read a lot of haikus. I think they usually kind of rhyme, but the syllables, the main thing. I would think that the language used would be a little deeper in the Japanese versions because like the Japanese syllables obviously be way different than the English ones. So translating Tonka poetry probably isn't very fun. So yeah. shout out to the translator. I think they did a good job, I would imagine anyway. Like I said, I don't know what the original poem is. So I did find an interesting point is that there's eight stories in this volume. And the she created her own poem book and she hand bound them. And there's eight poems in the book. Wow. So I just thought that was interesting. I don't know if that has anything to do with what's going to happen later in the book. So far, 
you know, the first and second story are unrelated. Also, I liked how when he read because after they leave, he she he gets her uh, no, she gets his name and address, so she sends him this book of poetry because he said he would read it. No return address, nothing. He has no way of contacting this. He doesn't even know her name. He just knows the name on the poetry collection, which is like Chiho or something. And he doesn't know if that's her real name or a pen name. He assumes it's like a pen name, probably. And that's all he has for, you know, for this lady. And he thinks he's not going to see her again. But the poems he reads, you know, they go along with like whatever he's feeling when he's reading them. So I I got the page numbers here. So I'll go through these real quick. And because, again, another very short story. I mean, I think it was 30 pages. But with the big font, I, I read it in less than 10 minutes. So probably 10 pages, 15, maybe. First one's on 43. Or do you want to read the Tonka poetry? No, that's all right. Oh, never want to read the Tonka poetry. What do you mean to do it? We got the book and everything already. Well, I found the imagery, not to be that guy, but I found the imagery actually really good with these Tonka poems because most of them are about decapitation. Yeah. And he thinks that she might have committed suicide. Like, that's just his guess is that maybe she's dead now because he's obviously an older man as he's, you know, reminiscing on this story. And he uh, thinks that maybe she killed herself because some of her Tonka poems involved uh, suicide and by cutting off the head mainly, which is interesting. And he he also thought it was interesting that her poems seemed to be so unforgettable, even though she, you know he forgot almost everything about this woman. He can't. He said she didn't have necessarily a plain face, which is why the guy she liked so much didn't like her. Uh, he would have sex with her, but he didn't like her because her face was plain. Uh, he says she wasn't really beautiful, though. Just, you know, kind of an average well, person. Because didn't he also say, like, the, the poems, like, stuck with him? But then after a while, he couldn't even, like, really remember 100%, like, the exact, like, the exact wording? Well, he kept the poetry book, because at the end, yeah. he brings it out, and he's reading it or something. Uh, so his first one, you and I, are we really so far apart? Should I, maybe, have changed trains at Jupiter? When I press my ear against the stone pillow, the sound of blood flowing is absent. Absent. Now, that one, I have no idea what that was about. Yeah. Because there was no context going along with the story, what it was. That was just like the, you know, the first poem. I mean, it, it kind of has a little bit of context, but it, it just goes right into their sexin. And I did like the, uh, the, the sex wasn't very graphic. There was no, no graphic sex no. scene. So that's good because you, you don't haven't experienced it. Some of Haruki Murakami's sex scenes. They're not very sexy. Yeah. Like, they're graphic, but it's just like, I'm, I don't know. So they're hit or miss. Some are good. Some are just like the old, you know, he, <laughs> the woman with her big boobs walked down boobedly and the man grabbed at her breast and she shafted his member. Like, just weird. Like, <laughs> it's not good. Uh, but, yeah, the old 70-something-year-old Japanese man, probably, because Japanese people don't tend to be uh, great at writing about sex, I find, because sex is, it's not it's kind of taboo it's weird how it's you know like in porn it's pixelated and yeah the genitals and stuff like that so they have a strange who am i to say strange view on sex you know their culture is different than our culture i'm trying to get away from that like you know shaming other cultures like because our western what? way of thinking just because you say something's weird isn't that shit well, it's weird to us yeah. but it's not weird to them like they probably think saying, what we do is weird but what i'm saying is just because if you if you say something's weird it can be weird without you Say without you shaming the person, it's, it's just weird to you. Like that's what you got prefaced by saying it's weird to me. Not it might not like, be weird like, to everybody. Like, I think fucking salads are weird. I don't know why you want to eat salads. Like, it's fucking gross. Agree to disagree. <laughs> Y'all vegans mad at us again, again, <laughs> again. We I, I listened to that. 
It's not like they're going to put up much of a fight. 37-minute diatribe you had about how great steaks are and how weak tofu is. I agree. Tofu sucks. <laughs> um, let's see. Is this uh now this is another one that had really good imagery and I didn't catch it at first. I mean I I caught it but I wasn't sure what it meant until he describes how she all her you know poems like deal with decapitation. So this one, the present moment, if it is the present moment, can only be taken as the inescapable present. In the mountain wind, a head cut off without a word. June water at the roots of a hydrania. Uh, that was interesting because. You know, you get the brief image of, is, is it a person getting their head cut off? That's what it sounds like. And then it just goes to the flower and you're, you know, it almost takes you, it almost makes you think you're the water going into the roots of the plant. Uh, I thought that was cool. And then the next one, I think, actually goes along more with the story. I think the rest of these do. So I don't know how to, they're right on the next page, actually. I'm yeah. sure that paper moving sound. That's good sound. Awesome. Into the listeners ears I mean, well i could edit those out and then you'll just sound like you're whining because they won't hear it and you yeah, you paper them. also just so you know in japan a lot of women have pubic hair doesn't really matter to what we're talking about but it, it's it, it, it you're, you're it gonna find up. anytime there's sex scenes in any of these books it's probably gonna have pubic hair mentioned they always mention it you brought i don't remember if we talked about this on the last episode or on one of the episodes or if this was just off air but when you we were talking about the first story, you said you just you didn't even think about Japanese people. Yeah. Because you're just reading it and you're just like, oh wait, they wouldn't be like just random white people. They're obviously Japanese yeah. people. Well, do you think that like the Japanese people think you think they would think that about the pubic hair? But like, oh yeah, it's just pubic hair. Why mention it? But they always do. Like all the Japanese authors I read, they always have to mention the pubic yeah. hair, and it's always Maybe. sparse or wiry. Well, it's it probably has part of the taboo thing. To, you know, you know. I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't know, bro. Just, I think that's... Just read the poem. Just read the poem. All right. I always have to cut me off right when I'm about to get philosophical and pubic hair. They ain't ready yet, Caleb. They ain't ready. Okay, I, I really enjoyed this one. This was uh, when she... when the, Right at the end of their, their sexual tryst here. As she reached orgasm, she shut her eyes, bit down hard on the towel, and called out again and again, another man's name in my ear. That would weird me out, yeah. by the way. The name of a man somewhere, a plain name I can't even recall. Then it goes into the poem. As I consider that, we'll never meet again. I also consider how there's no reason that we cannot. Will we meet, or will it simply end like this, drawn by the light, trampled by the shadows and then he goes on is like i don't know if we'll ever meet again you know but i thought that was just cool because like they have this big moment but neither of them are really thinking about each other it's just like their bodies are doing something else that they're you know not going with their minds and then that poem just fits right there with uh will they meet again as a possibility but most likely not uh the next one which goes on when he talks about uh the severed heads thing and for some reason, because he's talking about the poems, and for some reason, these involved a head being severed with the blade. For her, that style might have been her own way of dying. In the poem, lost in this incessant afternoon downpour, a nameless axe decapitates the twilight. And I like that a little bit, decapitates the twilight, because it sounds cool. I don't know what the fuck yeah. it means. Does it mean the sun's, you know, getting cut off by the horizon? That's sounds, what I think. It sounds kind of clever. It sounds, well, that's Mirakami. He will, he'll throw those in a lot. Uh, like the end of this, this, this piece started getting like, he was talking about, uh, what was he saying about words? Like 
I think that's what you were talking about, like forgetting things or something and uh, how you forget people and just different things like that. He couldn't remember her face. And if he said, I think he even said if he ran into her, he might not even remember who she was, like recognize her. But it's her, it was her poetry that uh, really hooked him. Like he, he remembers that. And then it ends, um, which I like this. This is the last paragraph of the story because uh, he was talking about, he was just talking about, you know, like the memory of her and stuff. At any rate, those remained while other words and memories turned to dust and vanished. And he was talking about the the poems. That's the only thing that remained because he kept the poetry book. So those are the only thing that remained were the words, but the memories of her and the, their brief time together uh, turned to dust. And then the poem goes with it, too. Whether you cut it off or someone else cuts it off, if you put your neck on the stone pillow, believe it, you will turn to dust. And then that's also a metaphor for dying because, you know, you're getting your head cut off. Yeah. Uh, but that's what happened to their memories. So I thought that was just like an interesting take on memories and just thinking back like on my own life, just random encounters. I'm not, not it doesn't have to be sexual. Just random encounters I've had with people or like we worked yeah. with people that sometimes the weirdest people that like will sear this memory into your brain with them. And you might not even remember what exactly what they look like well, or their name. Remember how many customers? So, yeah, we how just, many like like faceless customers? You can't really you can't make it up. You like you remember that motherfucker that did that thing? Uh-huh. So just a for instance that when we went to Cleveland first or second time, went to the breakfast awful breakfast joint with the guy that just went on and on about. Uh, I don't even remember what he was talking about. It was like an obscure. It was either like He Man or oh yeah, um, uh, you remember his name because it was a weird name, Giovanni, 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 yeah, like that. That just seared into your brain. It was just that random encounter with that weird guy that just kept talking. The purveyor of the I think it was Thundercats. Thundercats. That's yeah, that sounds about right. There's a shitty, a shitty movie they're like supposed to be making, yeah, or something. Oh. But uh, just I, I just really enjoy. Just a, it's almost like a bit of nostalgia that's not really nostalgia because it's not something you necessarily look back on longingly. It's not like, oh, I wish I could go back to that time or, you know, back to that moment. Just like that was like an event that happened in my life. And those hit you sometimes. Yeah. Even just maybe throughout your day, you, you hit, you know, you smell something familiar or you see something or like going back to an old neighborhood or something. You'd be like, oh, yeah, I remember I got in a fight with a kid there. What was his name? We're like fifth grade. And just like little moments like that that you think you forgot about. Yeah. You think just turned to dust and don't exist anymore. But they do exist. They're there somewhere. And it just, but you can only get it in that like little period of time, that moment. You can only, it's the only time you can see it. It's weird. It's like it's stuck in a bubble. You know, one of my things that I like the most about this story is that, and I think he brings it up at least twice. Maybe three times, but noticing the bite marks in the towel. Yeah. Like she, she, she bit down so hard on mm. the towel. I just, stuff like that, I like, because then also, too, I don't know about you, but I feel like sometimes I'm almost like, I feel like sometimes, like, I'm in one of those TV shows with those guys that, like, notice things that other people don't notice. Yeah. Because I feel like a lot of people around me just don't pay attention. No. Or, or just don't, like, see and notice things. But, like, Extreme bite marks on a towel after having sex with the chicken. She came saying that, like, no, no, that, that would be the thing that I would remember out of it. Like, yeah. wow, those were some deep, like. Well, it's a good thing that you brought that up because everything he was, because he mentioned, uh, there's a couple parts that repeated themselves in this story about, you know, from the memory. 
it's obviously that he was cementing this memory in his head, like what he remembered. Because when you remember something, a lot of times you'll keep repeating the same imagery because that's all you remember. Yeah. And then sometimes that helps trigger a couple little things, like the towel. It's like, oh, yeah, that was a big one. It's like, maybe at the time it wasn't that big of a deal, but then in the future, like, yeah, it's like a chick and there's bite marks in the towel. Like, that's kind of weird. Like, that's something that sticks with you. They had to get rid of it afterwards. Yeah, like, so, like, that was a cool writing technique Mirakami incorporated there that you don't even really realize he was doing until you finish the story. Uh, like, you just mentioned it. I didn't even think about it, but, yeah, he, he sprinkled that throughout, like, these things that triggered his memory. And, like, and like rooting that, that, that uh, again, just getting familiar with his work, that seemed like something, like, that almost seems like a Mirakami thing, almost. Yeah. Like, like bite marks on a towel... You just do seems, see things, yeah. Seems like something that like, he's a detail writer. Uh, in his work, it's always the details. Like that's where the but story. But it's not takes. like a boring detail. No, but that and that's where the stories always take place in his work, are in the details. So you might actually like his stuff just because of that. If you know, if you like this thing, some people are turned off by it because like they call it mundane. Like his the way he like because he's always talking about people when they're making dinner and just even when he was talking about them having the beer and how you know taking their time and stuff with the beer. He does that a lot in his work where they'll be drinking a beer like a couple or somebody you just met or somebody just fixing a cocktail. And it's like this detailed paragraph of the cocktail. But like not like flowery detail, just de- like that was like you just, you know, the ice clank in a certain way. And then it chipped and the guy just kind of looked at it. And then but it has a meaning. Yeah, that's what. So I think you would like that if you're somebody who notices those things in the real world. He incorporates that into his work all the time. If we don't stop now, it's going to be a Mirakami hour. So, yeah. uh, I really like that story. I'm looking forward to the reading. I'm trying to space them out and read them right before we do the podcast so it's fresh. I'm not like you who just, I'm going to read it oh, back no. to back. You know, because I'm so addicted to Mirakami now. No, we, Shoot them in my veins. We read one and then we're double recording because we yeah, might not have I time. Got... So then we I had to read the other one because we're... Well, what's going to happen next week if you're not, because we're double recording because you are you might not be able to come over for next week. So then, are we going to read it next week? We'll talk about that later. All right. This is probably off Anyway, thank you for listening. Um, If you want to check out our work, you know where to find us. And if you don't, just look up the name, Drunkman Writing. Uh, this has been a Mirakami Minute. Mm-hmm.